As we uh, come to the scripture, uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, this is your word, and so we take it as such that it is infallible, inerrant, that it uh, speaks truth because it's God-breathed. And so as we listen, that we would hear your voice and that you would thus speak deeply within us and that we would be revived to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to Psalm 16. It's also printed in your bulletin. Um, Psalm 16. This is the word of the Lord. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord... Can I just stop there just for a second? This Lord is supposed to be in all caps. Why it's not, I don't know. Just probably just the way our particular program came out. But this Lord is in to be in caps, which means it's Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God that's important for us. The next word, Lord, isn't. It's Adonai, which is a different word. But all the others then should be capitalized. Okay, you with me? Hope that didn't confuse you. So let me start again. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then together we say, The grass withers. And the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Now, if you got my little email note this week, I I ask you to memorize verse 8. Always reluctant to do that, not for your sake, but for mine, because then when I stand up here and I mumble it in a bad way or forget it, you'll think he didn't memorize it. I I really did, but sometimes you just up here things change. But this sense where uh, David says, I've set the Lord always before me, Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Now, why did I ask you to memorize that? Well, first, because it's in the Bible, so it'll help you. We should memorize passages, verses in the Scripture. It helps us hide the word in your heart. Um, but, but, But I ask you this one in particular, because years ago, decades now, I read a sermon on this text by a man named Martin Lloyd Jones, who all preachers in our tradition read, um, and um, he's uh, deceased some time ago, but he made the point of this verse. He said, This is the secret of David's life. This is the secret of David's life. Now, like most preachers, Lloyd Jones might have been 
wants for some exaggeration at times if you read or listen to any of his sermons which I would urge you to do um, every sermon that he preaches is on the most important text in the Bible but uh, so uh, but I think he's right here that this is at least a sustaining principle in David's life and if it is it ought then to be in ours that is to set the Lord always or continually or as some translations have it equally like in every circumstance in every situation the Lord should be set before us so it's a sustaining principle but there's something else here that, that even heightens this passage and this verse in particular because if you were listening you, you may have noticed that um, uh, verse uh, 10 is used in the preaching of both Peter and Paul to speak of the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 and in the second part, we'll get to this just a bit. Um, first, my first part, by the way, is going to be a little bit longer than my second, so that's just the way I do it today. But Peter says on the day of Pentecost when he's preaching about the resurrection of Jesus that David here is being prophetic because this passage is really ultimately about Jesus. That it was his body that wasn't subject to decay. Thus he rose, thus we will rise. But, but that gives us the sense that perhaps this, this whole passage, this whole psalm is messianic in the sense that it speaks to us of Jesus. And when we think about it, and as you'll see as the particular points are made, that these really do reflect not only David, should us as well, but, but Jesus. That he was one who lived with his father set always before him. And that he was never shaken. And so that heightens it a bit as well. This psalm is really a testimony psalm. You remember a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that the psalms are helpful for us because they give us words to say. They speak for us. And so what we have here should be something we should be able to say by way of testimony as well. That if we indeed have set the Lord always before us, then we should never be shaken at all. That should be our testimony. This should be on our lips as well. And not only that, some have classified this psalm as a psalm of satisfaction. That what David is saying here, that his testimony is that God satisfies. In fact, God is the only one who can ultimately satisfy us. And so it's this testimony of the goodness and faithfulness of God that as we set him before us, that He will satisfy us. He will complete us. That our lives will be content, will be good. And, and that's fascinating because this is a man, David, who knew both the joy and deep, deep sorrow. Knew pleasure, but also knew pain. And he said that neither the good times nor the bad times would shake him. In fact, would ultimately draw him even closer to the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I preached from Psalm 25, and, and there David was more explicit about his life. He said he had external enemies, nations that were against him. And they were violent, and they were filled with hatred, and they were deceptive enemies. But, but also he internalized this, because we could, we could sense even in, in David a sense of loneliness, even as he said, and even guilt arising within him. 
confusion as to wondering what he should do. But he feared the Lord, we found in that text, and the Lord revealed to him his covenant. And here we get this secret that he would go to the Lord and set the Lord before him. We, we see this in various examples. You remember when Paul and Silas were imprisoned and uh, they began to, to sing and to, to, to worship and they were in that setting. They set the Lord before them. Uh, we see it uh, dramatically as well in, in my dear friend Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles when there were enemies on every corner and, and he said, I don't know what to do but my eyes are upon you, you see. And so he set the Lord before him in the midst of that situation. But this is to be done continually. And it's something we do. This is a deliberate act on our part. We're conscious of this. And often you see the Lord works in us and then we work it out. Well, part of the outworking of what God has worked in is to set him deliberately, intentionally, consciously, to set him before us. And we know then that he's with us. That's the expression that he's at my right hand. Please don't take that to mean that the Lord is your right hand man. It isn't that he's your assistant, you know. It's not like he's your co-pilot. No, he's your defender. He's your strength at your right hand. He stands between you and your enemy. He stands between you and everything. For emphasis. He stands between you and everything, you see. He's, he's at your right hand. Therefore, because of that, you, you won't be shaken. If he's not there, you will be shaken. If he is there, you won't be shaken. And he's there consciously in your mind because you set him there. You know he's there. That's your consciousness. When you wake up in the morning, first thing is to set the Lord before you for your day. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're reading, whatever you're saying... Whatever you're watching, whatever you're experiencing, in your mind, you should know that the Lord is there. He's at your right hand. If you forget that, you will be shaken. And sometimes in your being shaken, then you realize, oh, let me go to the Lord. That's all right. But you should begin with that. David says, no, 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 that's how I start and end my day with the Lord, you see, before me. Can I make a list? I don't even need to. Of all the things that shake us today, I just have to say COVID. I just have to say our country. But I could just say, at any other time, our normal lives. There's so much that just happens in the context of family and, and marriage and schooling and health and finances and all the rest. Just normally that, that shakes us, shakes me. And I realize I must set the Lord before me. So how does he do that? How does David set the Lord before him? Well, let's go through this very quickly. Well, somewhat quickly, you know me. Let's go before. Let's go through this this passage. You can see it first. He prays. That's the first way he sets the Lord before him. He prays. He says, "Preserve me, O God." And there, the word for God is just simply the word El, if you will, which is a common word for God. 
It means the one who is strong, the one who is mighty. And so he says, preserve me, that is, keep me, guard me, defend me, be my advocate. For in you I take refuge, I trust in you. I'm going to you because I can't. I'm going to you because this is overwhelming. I'm going to you because if you don't help me, I'll sink. And then here's what he does. He says, I say to the Lord, and I made mention a moment ago that this should be in all caps, that this Lord is Yahweh. This, this is the name of God. You remember when, when Moses asked God, who shall I say sent me when he was going into Egypt? God simply gave him a bit of this. He said, just tell them I am sent you. I am who I am. And you go, that's funny. A verb tense. That's your name? He says, well, you see... I simply am, and I've always been. I'm self-existent, I'm self-determining. As Ryan mentioned last Sunday, that the gods, pagan gods, need human beings for food and other things. God doesn't need us at all. He made us because He made us. He loves us because He loves us. That's who He is. He's not lacking or needing us to fill Him in any way. That isn't it. And so, so David knows this, but he also knows that the Lord is, is, is his God and he belongs to this one who's Lord. And this one who's Lord has made promises and he's pledged himself. You know, we've been talking a bit this summer because it comes up in the Psalms so often. This word chesed in, in Hebrew, it means loving kindness. It's God's steadfast love. It's God saying, I can't not love you. I will be faithful to you, even if you're unfaithful to me. I, 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 I'm pledged to love you. When I learned that 40-something years ago, it changed everything. Has it in my life? So David says, I know you like that. So, when I set you before you, I say to you, my covenant God who's committed to me and I to you, you're my Lord. This Lord is Adonai. It means, it means you're my master. You're the sovereign one. You're right beside me. And so I submit to you. I on the one hand know that you're guarding everything because you're powerful and you're the Lord and you've committed to love me in this way. But, but now you see, I, 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 you're my master and I, I'm, I'm here, I submit to you to obey you. And so we set the Lord before us. We pray and, and, and we submit ourselves to him. And then he says, I have no good apart from you. He says, I, I realize, my realization when I set the Lord before me is that I have no good any good that I receive comes from you. But I know that good will come from you because you've promised me good. Uh, J.I. Packer, whom I've quoted often over the years, passed away on Friday. And um, I met him some time ago. I, I shared uh, in Vancouver a wedding with him about, I don't know when, 20-something years ago. And... Um, it was a delight. I preached. He administered the wedding. It should have been the other way around. But um, he recently, about a year and a half or so ago, went blind. Uh, and someone asked him, said, Dr. Packer, are you concerned about the blindness? And he said this. He said, no. He said, because the Lord is at my right hand. He's defending me. If this blindness has come to me, it's come through him. Thus, it must mean that I've seen everything I need to see. And it means that good will come to me through this, and he'll be glorified. So no, I'm not concerned at all about it. 
See, the Lord was set before him. So he saw this through the Lord. You know that great Sesame Street song? It's about where you put your eyes. It's about where you put your eyes, you see. What makes a mountain out of a molehill? When you pull the molehill up close, and that's all you can see. I have no good apart from you. And he says, As for the saints in the land, they're excellent ones in whom is my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. What he's saying is, I delight in believers. Why? Because as Ryan preached last Sunday, we need each other. And so he says, I delight in believers. I delight in your saints, your people. Why? Because their testimonies encourage me. I see their lives and they say to me things like, God is good, don't you know? They say to me, look at what I've been going through, but yet God is good. What we've been going through, and yet here we are. Together still, you see. That encourages, encourages me. Part of what was so devastating about the whole COVID season we're in is not seeing each other, not being with each other, not listening and hearing each other. Because we need that. So somehow we have to keep doing that, even in the midst of this. To, 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 to do this is what I say. But when I see unbelievers, he says, I can't take delight in them. Because if I do, if I hear their words, and they tell me that they're satisfied apart from God, then that will lead me astray. I can't listen to that. I can't buy into that. It doesn't mean we don't have friends with unbelievers and all that. But what he's saying is, I don't delight in their lives. I don't delight in their testimony. I, I don't live from that. I, I delight in those with the people of God. And then he says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. When he refers to his cup and his lot, he's talking about his stuff, with his food and, and his, his, his land, his, all of that. But he says, the Lord is my portion. I don't look at my stuff. That's not what makes me happy. That's what makes me satisfied. I have the Lord. That's why Jesus said, don't, Jesus said, don't be anxious about what you'll wear or what you'll eat. He didn't mean you, you won't have to work. He didn't mean that. But what he meant is, seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because if you have the Lord, if you have the Lord, you see, if he's your portion, then really you have everything. These other things, well, they'll come about as they need to. It doesn't mean you won't have to work. It doesn't mean you won't have to study. It won't have, maybe you won't have to exert energy. But, 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 but the Lord is your portion. Don't look at those things and say, I'm satisfied because I have those things. Those things can be taken away. But the Lord will never be taken away. And he says, I'll bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. And so, so David would go to the Word and be instructed by the Lord. You see, because when the Lord is set before us, we pray. When the Lord is set before us, we understand our need. When the Lord is set before us, uh, we, we delight in His saints and take testimony from them and are strengthened by them. Uh, when, when, the, when, the, when, when the Lord is set before me, I know He's my portion. I needn't be anxious. Uh, when the Lord is set before me, then I know I can go to His Word and He'll counsel me, even in the night. That is to say, even about those things that keep me up at night that are so difficult. I know that even then, He'll counsel me. So he says, I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Let's sing.
And please stand.
Now we come to the sort of the logical progression of where all this is headed uh, for David as he lays out this song. He moves from his present reality of the presence of God to his future hope. It's fascinating as David begins to mention death, uh, this psalm begins to tick up a bit. Uh, which is fascinating because usually when we think about death, things kind of quiet down. We, we think our prospects are dimming as we get closer to death. But as David begins to talk about death, you get the sense of crescendo, you get the sense of this thing is moving up uh, as opposed to moving uh, down. Um, I don't recommend this, but on Netflix, there's a... Uh, broadcast uh, narrated by Morgan Freeman uh, called The Story of God. Um, stay tuned next Sunday for The Story of God just in case you're watching that. But the first episode is entitled Beyond Death. And actually the point of the resurrection of Jesus that he talks about isn't horrible, which is normally the best thing I can say about most things that uh, uh, on TV like that. But... but um, but the point is that people are interested in what happens beyond death. And David is saying that even in death I set the Lord before me. And he'll be at my right hand. And therefore I will not be shaken. Because he says, as he does in verse 10, that God will not abandon his soul to Sheol. That is in the Sheol that just simply means the place of the dead. And he says, I won't stay dead. It won't abandon my soul there. But he even goes on to say that, he says, your Holy One will not see corruption. Meaning that, that even in his body, there won't be corruption. Now we know that David's body did decay, has, as will ours, given enough time. But here we realize, as the New Testament Preachers, apostles, uh, let us know that David is being actually prophetic here. 
Because you see, it's, it's important for human beings that not only our soul is preserved, if you will, our immaterial, but also our bodies, because that's who we are. We're, we're, we're embodied souls. We're, we're human beings. If you read, you don't have time now. I don't have time to go through Second Corinthians chapter 5. But Paul talks about it there, about being clothed and unclothed, that he's having a body, not having a body. And it's, it's preferable to be in the presence of the Lord. But, but, but ultimately, we need a body to be fully human. And we will be. And that's David's point here, that even in death, you see, our, our souls won't be abandoned, but, but neither will our bodies. And, and his proof of that is in Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, let me read a portion here of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. This is the first, if you will, in this sense, Christian post-resurrection, uh, ascension, coming of the Holy Spirit sermon. Verse 22 in Acts 2, Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You'll make, me, uh, you'll make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn uh, with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of all that we are, and, and of all that we are witnesses. You see, David's confidence as he looked beyond himself was in Jesus ultimately and the resurrection of Jesus. Because he realized, if Jesus rose, we'll rise too. And so, as Jesus could profess that he was the Holy One, whose body was not left to be destroyed, corrupted, but rather, he rose, you see. And he went where? He went to the right hand, the path of life, to the right hand of the Father, where... There is joy and pleasures forevermore. In other words, he was exalted to the place that, that he always should have been and had been before he came to the earth. And now he was back. And what David is saying is that we're in him. And that you needn't worry even about death. Because if the Lord is set before you and at your right hand death itself will not shake you how does he put it in another place even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will not fear I don't need to be afraid why because you're with me you're at my right hand consciously you see 
I know that. And so, you see, even the practice now of always placing the Lord before us will go before us well when we face death because then we'll know how to do that. It'll, become, it'll be just commonplace to us to place to set in those moments the Lord before you as I'm with people and I've been as they're passing. I pray, God, may they set you before them now. May they see you so they won't be afraid, you see. They'll know you're at their right hand. And they, this this moment of death, well, it's shaken me because I love them and I don't want to see them go. But this moment of death won't shake them because they'll know that you indeed, you see, are with them. You see, this whole psalm, we get Jesus doing this. Jesus prayed through the night as he set his father before him. He knew that, 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 that good was in his father and would come to him. And, and so he set the Lord, he set his father always, you see, always before him. He, he knew that. And, 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 and he submitted to his father. He said, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He was submissive and obedient to his father the word of counsel was always with him. When he was tempted, he knew the word. Uh, he said, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. He knew it. He lived it out, this word. And his delight was in his own people as he saw them. As he saw the elect of God come to faith and believe. And as he even saw past and future and all who had come to faith. Um, he took counsel from the Lord. And he went to the grave abounding in hope. He knew this. The joy that was set before him. He knew this. He knew that he would enter the path of life. He knew this. He knew that he would go to the right hand of the Father and rule and reign. He knew this. And he knew that at the Father's right hand, there's joy and there's pleasures forevermore. So where are we? Let me end with this. Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 4 but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus we're there now you see not physically we're there spiritually now we're united to Jesus. He set him before us with his joy and pleasures forevermore from his hand. Even in the midst of difficulties, as Packer said, I know the good will come and God will be glorified and that will be my joy. And my testimony will be that regardless of what took place in my life, because the Lord was set before him, because he was at my right hand, because he was my defender, my advocate, I know this, that I need not be shaken. That will be my testimony. We get to glory and we'll poke each other and we'll say, were you shaking? Nah. Were you shaking? No. Didn't this? No. I know it looked like I was shaking, but I wasn't. Because the Lord, you see, was set before us. Let's pray. Father, these words are more glorious than I can even than I can even know, let alone talk about. So I pray that by your spirit that you would make them 
real to us, known to us. That we won't be able to shake from our minds that we're to always set you before us. I pray when difficult things come into our lives that as Jehoshaphat, even when he was afraid, turned and sought the Lord that we put you before us. We pray that we submit that we are in fellowship with others who can encourage and strengthen us that we look to your word that we know that you are our God and that we belong to you and you've bound yourself by steadfast love to be faithful to your word to be faithful to us and to bring good So please, I pray, make that real to us in this season of life, this moment in history. And then all the normal things that sort of flow through our lives always anyway, whether they be temptations, give us strength as we set you up at our right hand. Set you before us. Forgive us our sins as we set you before us and we see that you're a forgiver of sins. Keep us from the world. It's false understanding of good and evil. It's right and wrong. How we're to live. Who we're to trust. Keep us from the evil one, Jesus, just as you promised. Father, even as the warmth of the sun presses in upon us, I pray the warmth of your spirit would give us joy even as we live in these days that we might be a testimony to each other that we might be a testimony to the world that the Lord is good and that his faithfulness continues throughout all generations and this we pray in Jesus name Amen let's sing
come to the benediction let me say this first I don't say it often enough but you encourage me deeply Um, Sundays we always taught our kids was the best day of the week Uh, it's the best day because it's the day the Lord has set aside for us to be together being together is a great blessing to see your faces It may be that a time will come and we won't be able to do that again. I don't know what the future holds. But I value, relish these moments of seeing you. Thank you. More importantly, receive this as the blessing of God. Now to Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before His glorious presence and that with great joy. To only wise God and Savior Jesus Christ, to be glory, dominion, majesty, and power, both now and forever. And let's sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in peace.